The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. Today, I'm joined by the very energetic, <laughs> inspiring Henry Hayes. Welcome, Henry. Hi, it's great to be here. It's exciting. And, and we noodled around your title, and I think the best fit is Disruptor. Yeah, it's, um, it would be fitting that I would make my own title. You know, anyone that's seen me or knows me, my family included, would say a lot of my waking hours and, and time and thought processes around this idea of disruptive innovation, which we'll talk about, but I'm comfortable with it because it's kind of where I see everything going, Seema, and it's never boring, that's for sure. That's true, that's true. Well, and I really loved your talk that you did at the CEO Summit in Florida not too long ago, and wow, the points that you made in terms of choices people make and how they decide if they're going to disrupt or if they're going to be disrupted was quite interesting. Well, I think that's the way I start my talk, Seema, because I believe that's a binary statement, meaning either you are disrupting your business and or your, yourself yes. or someone else is going to do it for you. Yeah. And I've yet to come across the thousands of people I've had the pleasure of interacting with that raises their hand and said, oh, you know what? I'll let somebody else do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> because that's just a very exposed, vulnerable yes. position. Yeah. The good news in all of this, Seema, to me is with a little education and, and some hard work, I think the little guy, quote unquote, not the huge corporation or the legacy incumbent, right. the little guy is actually the one I would bet on because okay. it's nimbleness. It's the ability to shed kind of, well, that's all the way we've always done mm-hmm. it, thinking that we'll yeah. win. And we can get into that, but yeah. that's the good news here. Yeah. No, so I think there's always some tenacity and perseverance when you're the underdog. No doubt. And you have a chip on your shoulder that yeah. definitely influences your grit and your ability to stick to it, initiative, influence other people. That's without a doubt. And look, in every example I talk about in my talk and, and haven't talked about, there's always that moment where the disruptors go, gosh, did we do this right? Are we staring down double barrel shotguns? And so right. that always happens. That's always going to be there. It's normal. That's right. Right. So before we dive into it, I want to do you justice. And please, for the listeners, just share a little bit of your background and how you got to this point in your career. Yeah. So lifelong sales guy, Seema, kind of extroverted, had those kind of yep. wants and abilities to interact with people from the womb. 22 years in pharmaceuticals and biotech industry from on a bag, in a territory, all the way up to I uh, was kind of blessed and humbled to help start a company in 2008 in the California, Southern California area. I was kind of a little engine that could. We really didn't have much chance of success of getting our first drug approved. We did get it approved. Um, a company called Avenir. We ran it for about almost five years and kind of got out of the blue, got a call that Otsuka Pharmaceuticals, which is a Japanese company, was purchasing us. And that's always an interesting time if you've been on the build. And, you yeah, know, I was commercial employee number two. 
at the time it was a 35 X multiple, which is, that's pretty big in that space. Oh yeah, for sure. So that happened. And at a, in my young forties, I was given kind of the blessing of time and resource and then, okay, well, what's next? Right. And it was right around that time in my town, I, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that the blockbuster video stores began mm-hmm. to be boarded up. And, you know, that's a sight, Seema. If you're driving down the road and you look and you see that, it's a very stark sight. It's like a McDonald's yes. or yes. A, these bastions of our childhood, our dating life, our college yes. life, and they're going away. Mm-hmm. So my intellectual curiosity combined with a lot of new time on my hands, <laughs> led me to find Clayton Christensen, who is really the godfather of the term disruptive innovation. Yes. He taught at Harvard for a long time and really was a just a seminal thinker around this idea of, look, emerging technology is not slowing down, it's speeding up. Now you match that with radically new business models. And what you have are disruptors entering traditional industries that don't look like the legacy players And they have effect to enter and and quickly flip those industries. So I I thought that was fascinating. You know, down to the personal level, Seema, when I thought about that blockbuster example, I thought there's probably a young man, young woman in their 30s that it's the manager. Maybe they have a small family. And back to our original statement, either you're disrupting your business or someone else will. That person got dictated to. Yes. So all of a sudden, their career was in shambles. And so now what? So I thought... I can dedicate a good portion of the rest of my time to really kind of evangelizing about this. And look, what I just told you, that was almost 10 years ago. Now that, that speech you saw in Miami and the, when I started it, it was kind of cute. There were the Netflix stories. Now Seema, I'd say there's a much higher level of urgency to say, okay, he's not just spouting off a theory. This is happening in my business. So I'm a little worried. What do I need to learn and how do I pivot? So it's taken on a different tone. I always say today's fast, tomorrow will be a little bit faster. But again, tremendous opportunity. I, I, I agree with you. And I think there's it's all about your lens, right? You can look at it and say, wow, this is really exciting times. I'm part of a radical shift in our society, our economy. Or you could look at it and say, holy crap, what am I going to do? And so when you talk to people, Where are they in terms of that pendulum as it relates to disruption? You know, it's a really interesting question. And the more I speak, the more my thesis, I think, is backed up, which is I like to speak at the executive level because those are the folks with the keys to the front door. Those are the folks Mm -hmm. that stay up at night and have different different worries than than most other people. Right. They also tend to be a little bit older, meaning they've been around the block a few times. Right. I think, Seema, the further we get away from whether it's our schooling or kind of our informal years – it's harder to process something new that does not immediately work for you. And my example was, and I'll tell you the story. I remember when I saw Uber for the first time, I was in Newport Beach, California with one of my sales reps. We had a dinner and I was paying the check and he, he said, okay, well, it's time for me to get my ride. And he looked at his phone. I said, what are you looking at? And he said, my ride. I said, what are you talking about? Let me see that. So he showed me and I saw what appeared to be a little monopoly car on a road. And I said, immediately, I said, now, hold on a second. You're telling me that Dwayne in his Buick LeSabre will be here in nine minutes and it's going to cost you, you know, $13.12 to be home by 9.41 p.m.? And he goes, yeah. yeah. And I said, it'll never work. Now, I look back on that. Yeah. I, and this, is what I, this is what I do and who I am. And right. my brain, Seema was telling me, run. Yeah. This isn't for you. So that's dangerous. So now what I do is even when I don't 
necessarily want to opt into the change. I'll say, okay, let me understand what are the forces driving this? Why? And then who stands to lose and win? And if I can kind of unpack it that way, really my choice is not as important. But what I haven't done is I haven't thrown up a wall. I'll give you another example. It took Marriott and Hilton, their board of directors, both of them, less than 30 minutes in a discussion. And you've been in plenty of boards in your life. You're smart people. It took them less than 30 minutes to say, wait a minute. Why would anyone want to rent the Vasa's third bedroom? Never will work, right? Because they had so much legacy thinking in their heads. So I think a lot of people subconsciously don't even know that they're pushing the change off. Look, I see this now with ChatGPT, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But when you don't know the whole picture, the easiest thing to do is say, it's a fad, it'll never work, it's just for the kids. So there's a lot of that going on. You know, the difference in the way that you just talked about processing it is interesting because one is very much personal and emotional and say, I can't deal with this. I'm running. I don't want to know about this right now because, oh, my gosh, fear, uncertainty and doubt. But the way that you then said, you know what, let me think about this rationally Mm -hmm. from not myself in the center of it, but just looking at it objectively and saying what's driving this change. Two very different ways of processing innovation in my mind it really is and it, it kind of gives you it detaches from the emotion in the yes. moment yeah like forget all that look i think you saw the example see my used back to 1908 when henry ford came out with his first model t that was over 100 years ago right. and yet you know we think today well gosh the automobile is know, top five of really technological revolutions yes. in the history of the world and yet there were still doubters years after that first one rolled off the line. And I don't look at that. I look at the why. Why were they dead? I just think it's that their brains can't quickly process, hey, here's what's in it for you. Because I think there's a, as we get older, I think the, the subconscious level of us feeling embarrassed or vulnerable is a big time weakness. And so I think the evolved executive today says, okay, time out. Again, where is this coming from? Who's this for? Like right. Snapchat. That's not for me and you per se. Yeah. But- if we can do that and just kind of unemotionally unpack it, boy, you'll be a whole lot further in the adoption curve. So true. Um, so yeah, that's the way I look at it. It's really interesting. By the way, on the Uber thing, I was literally driving in an Uber and I thought to myself, I would have never thought 10 years ago I'd be driving in this car with some random person who is taking me to the airport. And it just dawns on you, like people do change, right? Like I didn't think I was going to be a you know leverage uber over time but now it's inherent in, into our lives every day interesting another simplistic way to look at what you just said Seema, what is this if we just for instance let's take the cabs frustrations did yes. we love the experience we had in cabs no. no we didn't love that drivers were upset and we tried to pay with credit card yes we didn't love waiting we didn't love you know, waving our hands and they drove right on by all the things, right? You live in the city for decades you've dealt with. And so when an alternative comes to market and they subconsciously, that's that's by design, by the way, they're taking down these frustrations one by one. Of course, we're going to opt in. It's a little like another example I use is mobile banking. If you and I had a a fiduciary product today and we said, you know what? We're not going to let people use their cell phones to, I mean, come on. That'd be the end of the product innovation, right? Yes, yes. So- I think an easy lens to put on this for people is, hey, is there a user satisfaction here? Would I like it if 
this existed. And in, in a perfect world, if you say yes, then you can understand where the innovation is coming from. Yeah, in that example, it's not necessarily about the technology. It's about solving a problem, and the technology is the enabler that lets you get there. And that's another way, I think, is another important way to think about technology, because you're right, I think a lot of people resist it. And in some ways, it really does enhance people's lives and customer experience to a certain extent. And, and, you know, here in America, CMA, it's the great, look, the market will dictate. Yeah. It'll, it'll tell you whether that technology is good or not. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so there's <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. you know, it'll be real clear over the winners and the losers. And you'll hear it all through social media and TikTok and everything else about That's what right. they like and what they don't like. Okay. So you have started a company with other partners called Disrupt Ready. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. This is me eating my own dog food, which I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of saying these days. So a little backstory. So I have a, a very good client that's a credit union and credit unions are, they have a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what a credit union is as opposed to a bank, right? right. And so I, I got to know their model really well. And their CEO this summer, I'll never forget, he, he picked up the phone and called me and said, I'm tired of talking about it. We want to get into this Web3 crypto nice. blockchain game. Yep. How, how do I do this? Right. So I processed that. And I thought, okay, number one, where would he get the education to even learn what the blockchain yeah. is, right? So if he, he's not going to send his executive sleeve to go get an EMBA, right. an executive MBA for 18 months at mm-hmm. whatever the cost would be. By that time, it might be too late. So I thought, how do you simplify what could be some pretty technical education, sure. right? Because yeah. the blockchain can get technical very quickly. So that was a challenge that we kind of took down. And then number two, I thought, once they had a modicum of education, how then did they process kind of vendor selection? Because almost all the new tech SEMA for a legacy business will involve some sort of third-party relationship, whether it's a SaaS product, et cetera. Right. So I got a technical partner from Denver and I got an operational partner from Boston and we formed a company and just said, let's take a crack at this. And a week ago, we ran our first cohort, which what we called our boot camp. So okay. it's a Three-day immersive, face-to-face, we feel that um, that kind of learning has to happen in person. And, yes. and in a weird way, most of our folks we polled want to be face-to-face. Yeah. So we did that last week. It was a home run. It was, you know, you entered those things, SEMA, with, with some theses and some guesses, and most of them checked out. Okay. So they have a base case now of education. The second phase of that business is now based on what their short-term goals are, helping facilitate connection to the third-party tech players that match what they want. And so right. at that point, look, executive teams can you know line up vendors and make a choice, right? right? That's what they're good at. So Disrupt Ready is kind of holding the hand of legacy executives, crossing a pretty shallow river, but they think it's deeper. Right. And then once they get on the other side and say, okay, how do we get you in the game? How do we not take this from theory to actual application? Right. Because I believe that even in quote unquote failures, you're iterating, you're moving, you're mm-hmm. growing, you're innovating. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is to do something. You got to so, do something. Yeah. So in your business, ChatGPT is uh, the bell of the ball in 2023. Yes, it is. It's almost daily that we get an update on you know, what chat GPT has done the latest. Yeah. And so we're, we're actually, I'll give you behind the scenes. We're actually building a cohort aimed at businesses that we think could really benefit. And really it's a lot of them 
from the use of, and when I say use, I mean operationalize and then monetize. Okay. So yeah, so it's a really fun new business that we're a part of. That sounds really exciting. And you get to meet all these different types of people and learn about different business problems. And then Seema, let's go back to what we were just talking about, that whole idea of executives' brains kind of processing change. Yeah. As our network grows with the new business, mm-hmm. there's an unbelievable insight and analytics ability because the bigger our population size, right. the more we'll be able to pull from themes and just responses and iterations of their growth cycle and the growth curve. So we're excited about that too. So yeah, it's it's fun. But look, I mean, I mentioned a minute ago, that should be something that secondary inst- institutions of you know, colleges right. should come up with. Yeah. Think about it. They have a, a dedicated alumnus list, right? Yes. And yet the way they look at most of their business seem it's 18 to 22 year old mm-hmm. Henry Hayes and Seema yeah. Vasa. Yeah. I would challenge that. I would say, well, we should be alumnus for life. Right. And yet there's there's expertise that's within all of our different experiences. Exactly. So, you know, I think when you see a problem, you can quickly attack it. And uh, that's what we've done. So let me ask you this. I think there, you said something really important in that, you know, executives have to learn enough to be able to navigate their businesses and go from theory to application. What do you think, like, how do you know enough is enough? You know what I mean? I know that's like a really vague question, but I think people get overwhelmed with the magnitude of change and then the requirement of learning. And maybe we can break that down a bit. That's a really good question. And there's a lot to unpack there. So and I love what you said, the requirement of learning. Seema, let's not gloss right past that. I think the older you get, I think intuitively we know, okay, I've got two paths here. One, I can keep doing what I've been doing. We're doing okay. Yeah. I do see a storm cloud coming. Yeah. Or the other path, I'm going to have to really put my big boy pants on, yeah. change my patterns, head into some fear. And a lot of people don't want to do that. I understand. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to make light of that. And I have empathy for that decision because it's a change. So but, but back to your question, how do you know? Well, there's no blood test or, right. or, or finite scale. Right. Um, We are coming up with what we call the Disruptive Innovation Index, which tries to give a sense of, based on multifactorial questions, where are you on the curve, both company-wise and individual? But I can tell you the way we design Disrupt Ready is with adult learning principles in mind, i.e., can you, once I teach you what the blockchain is, I want to hear you teach it back to me. Then let's talk about where you might have, you know, we can smooth that out and then do it again. And then- We'll do things like, let's talk about where it was invented. Why was it invented? Yeah. Invented, things like that. And I think there does, it's weird. You get a cadence in the teachings where heads start nodding, notes start being taken. Right. And then you start talking about use cases outside of your your industry and then inside. Yes. And that's when the cold water really yeah. hits your face. Right. Yeah. To go, yeah. look, you're probably a little bit further behind than you think. Yeah. And the other, the other thing, Seema, I think I said this earlier, the barbarians at the gate do not look like me and you. Yeah. In other words, traditional bankers, tr- right. folks who played education, the healthcare space. Oh, Lord. The healthcare players that are coming to to unseat the legacy businesses yes. are radically different and have a radically different business background yep. than the incumbents. Mm-hmm. And that, that also kind of gives a sense of urgency to that right. learning. 
I think the important thing is when you get, what you feel is, okay, I've got enough. Yeah. You got to get what we call a house view. So okay. what's the one page, two page, hey, under this business roof, this is what we know of the technology. Right. Here's what we think yep. the impact to our business will be. And right. so at least there's a thesis and that, that plays really well with the board. Yes. It plays well if you're publicly traded. That's just a, yeah. and here's the other thing that's a little bit maybe secondary, but I think it's big. As you're going through this as a company, Seema, ask yourself the following question. If you're a talented young individual, trying yeah. to kind of pick the best um, new opportunity for yourself. And you see that part of a company's DNA is we've got an innovative uh, curiosity about our company. Here's mm-hmm. what we're doing currently. Are you going to be attracted to that? Or do you want to go to a company that says, we're not really interested in that. We're interested in the way we've done things. We've been pretty right. successful. Obviously the answer is the first. Sure. We're going to be course. attracted to a sense of innovation and not status quo. So sure. I think there's a I think there's a component of recruiting that could also really be helpful here. I really do love the idea of having enough learning and then coming up with a thesis as to how you think technology or whatever the change is will play out in your business because at least you can maybe this is the researcher in me accept or reject different possibilities and it kind of again it breaks it down into a little bit of a non-emotional framework versus this big, huge sea of ocean, this ocean of change and how do I fit? So I love that for executives and business leaders. I think it's hugely helpful. Let me ask you, I think for us as leaders in industry or in different segments of where we integrate, learning has to be a bigger component of our time. What do you think of that? I could not agree with you more. I think there's going to be a day, Seema, in society. I don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully I'll be around to see it. Where we look back, and our children, our grandchildren go, let me understand this. You're telling me that your formal education happened when you were age five to about yeah. 22, and that was it? And they asked that question, Seema, with a kind of a, a right. bias towards yeah. that's ridiculous. And yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So, look, I mentioned a moment ago, education, this is tried and true, the fact that after World War II, we needed people on those assembly lines, yes. so reading, writing, arithmetic, standing out, and it served its purpose. Mm-hmm. Clearly, that is that should be changed. Yes. And the idea of individualistic learning paired with, I think, some old school apprentice ideas, yes. right, are going to be the, the in vogue. Forced innovation that was COVID. Look yeah. what it did to the educational system. Made oh, them. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. It made them close their doors. Yes. And try to do what they set out to do via technology. And so we saw some gains. We also saw some things that don't work. We didn't like but yes. I think you're so right. I think, and I think as executives, I think there's a vulnerability there to say, look, I know some, I don't know a lot. Right. So I've got to seek wisdom in other areas. And in a lot of times that's younger people. It's and so I true. Think that if that is your... If that's how you're wired, I think a lot of people are going to be attracted to that. Yeah, totally agree. Penny, thank you so much for joining me today. I could talk for two more hours with you, but I appreciate you taking this time and look forward to keeping in touch with you. My pleasure, Seema. Anytime you want me back on, just let me know. I will for sure. Thank you. Okay. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. 
We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.